Love and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, ML Wieschak. I'm here with my special guest, Shawnee Harley. Welcome. Let's do this. I'm ready. Now, you are a mental health expert on our young athletes. So what led you to get into this, first of all? You know, I actually think of myself more as a a mindset coach, a mental toughness coach, um, as opposed to mental health. Mm-hmm. I'm always cautious with that phrase because I think people use it in the wrong context. I think for me, mental health means something that's been diagnosed. And what I do with the athletes and parents that I work with is I teach them about mental toughness. And how did I get here? <laughs> because I was an athlete and a coach over the years, and I've just seen how many gaps there are out there in our sport context. We don't have very much help, very many resources in this area. And I know what it's like to choke on the biggest day, the biggest stage of my life. And technical skills cannot necessarily save you from choking. There's something that goes on in our mind, in our heart that we need help with. And that is my mission. Well, I, my daughter was in basketball when she was in school. Now she was the water girl, the morale person of the group. She wasn't actually on the team, but she was with the team. She was there more to help understand the players because how many of the girls would go on to, you know, big game, whatever the big game was, and then they get devastated because they missed that layup. They missed something that in practice is so easy. It's interesting. You know, I, I've been in sport my whole life and I don't, I can't think of anything about sport that is very easy so to speak. I mean, practices are easier because the risk reward is lower, right? Right. There's no, there's no scoreboard. So you miss a layup. It doesn't matter that much, but in a game, it sure as heck matters. But this is what I find so interesting. You know, my, my business is called winning matters. And yet I both love and hate that word at the exact same time. I, I love winning. I think our definition of it is so dang narrow and so limiting because the only way we measure it is by the scoreboard or the stat sheet. What I see happening in sport. Oh, and by the way, girls drop out of sport at six times the rate that boys do. What I see happening in sport is the scoreboard has become so important that it hinders our courage. It hinders our risk-taking because we are so afraid of making a mistake. What will people say? What will people think? Will I get benched? What will people say about me in social media? How will I feel about myself? So we avoid, avoid, avoid. And I'm like, that isn't why we joined sport in the first place to hide, to avoid, to be afraid. I thought we joined sport because it builds character. That's what everyone tells us. I think it reveals character. Yes. 
I mean, we're told in school to join a sport because it builds your character, it builds your morale, it builds your social skills. I can give you a list of what we're told that it should do. In reality, it doesn't do that. It gives you the entrapment of you have to do, you have you have to be seen as, you cannot mess up because, and it builds fear. How many athletes are out there that are fearful in the kids area of making a mistake on the field or on the court or whatever the sport is? So well said. I mean, you brought up one of the F words, you know, that we're not allowed to talk about in sport, which is fear. And my experience has been, I mean, I've been to two Olympics as a, an assistant coach. I see fear in the best athletes in the world, not just youth sport. And I find it so intriguing to figure out why we haven't helped anyone that wants to play sports, actually anyone that wants to play life. How come we haven't figured out what to do with this word, this F word, mm -hmm. that we're not allowed to talk about it? Just get out there and be confident. That's the worst advice in the world because that say don't that says don't have a negative feeling. Mm -hmm. If you want to have a feeling, play sports. You're going to have a million negative feelings in sport. It's the same feeling as if you're telling an introvert to go up and talk to a crowd of people and they're scared to death to be on the stage. You put them now in front of the camera on a sporting thing. And what do you do? You create your introvert because you're putting all that pressure on someone that is normally very socially inept. So good. You know what else I think it into inherently intuitively, I'm not sure which is the right word I'm trying to find here, but when we say just get out there and be confident, don't be nervous. Oh, you'll just be fine. Mm -hmm. Do you see that we're actually placing a judgment, a negative one mm -hmm. on their feeling? Mm -hmm. So if they don't feel confident, we've just judged them for, for that by saying, oh no, get out there and be confident. Don't have that feeling, have this feeling. How, you know what? How in the world are we supposed to become emotionally intelligent when we're not supposed to feel this whole bucket of negative feelings. Correct. We're told, women especially are told, do not have these emotions. Men are told there's other emotions they're not allowed to have. So you start this at a young age. So now we're not emotionally equipped because we're told those emotions that we have are not acceptable. You know what, you're... You should come and talk with me to these sport organizations because you're bang on. We are we're teaching the opposite of emotional intelligence. I don't know what the word is. I guess it's emotionally unintelligent. It's blocked. I, I don't know what those words are. In sport, you're bang on. And with, with girls in sport, it's socially acceptable for a girl to cry, kind of, mm -hmm. but not too, too much in sport. Right. It is not okay for boys to cry in sport. 
Why not? Are boys not allowed to have those feelings? Exactly. I remember a movie is back from I, the 90s, 80s, somewhere through there. That's called uh, A League of Their Own. There's Tom, the woman baseball player is crying in the dugout. And Tom Hanks character goes, there's no crying in baseball. I remember that quote, but we carry that quote to everything we do. We're not allowed to cry in sports. We're not allowed to have feelings. We've gotten to the point where you're celebrating a win or whatever it is, and it's not acceptable anymore. So what emotions are you allowed to show when you're on the field? Yes. And if I could build on that, how about this? As in sport, you're on the biggest, it's the biggest day, the biggest stage of your life. You are nervous. You might feel like peeing your pants. I mean, you're, you're like, holy crap, this is happening. I'm right here, but I'm not allowed to feel anything but confident. How do you think that's going to work out for you on the biggest day, the biggest stage of your life when you're hiding from your true feelings? We see this every day in every pro sport. We see athletes drop the ball when you know they have it. We see them miss that pitch or, you know, whatever it is, depending on the sport that we're watching. We see swimmers go through this. We're not allowed to have emotions. We have to tune those out. And when you tune out your emotions, you tune out half your brain. So, yes. So I think about if now I'm going to talk about, use the word mental health in the context of Naomi Osaka, Mm -hmm. right? Has stepped away from professional tennis for mental health. Look at Simone Biles. You know, at the uh, recent the recent Olympics, mm-hmm. those people have said enough. I am tired of being a puppet. I'm tired of being a robot, and I'm tired of trying to please everyone. It's causing me mental health issues. What if what if we had a context in sport when we were first starting at eight or ten or three or four, and we were allowed to emote? Mm-hmm. We were allowed to be a human being with emotions. Mm-hmm. What would that look like down the road? Because we get taught to block our emotions out so early and for so long, it's going to catch up to us. I see this all the time in the clients that I'm working with. And when they come to work with me and I'm like, hey, let's talk about what you're afraid of. Let's talk about your deepest fears. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this waterfall. They're like, hallelujah. I can finally speak like my true, authentic self. Yes, we are taught from a very early age, if we're in a organized sports, anything. And this goes for ballet. This goes for entertainment. This goes for everything. If you're an organized group, you're not allowed to have emotions except for what they tell you. Now, we see sports. I love playing baseball. I do not like softball, but I love baseball. Girl on a boys baseball team won't happen in an organized sport, but I can go to a backyard baseball team and go play because one, I can have any emotion I want. Two, 
I'm having fun because I'm doing it for fun. We take the fun out when we organize it. We take the fun out because it, fun is an emotion that's positive. You know, I would even add to that when it becomes organized and there's nothing wrong with organized. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that word <laughs> itself. What I see happening in some organizations with organized sport what I see happening is the sport starts belonging to the wrong people. Mm -hmm. It starts belonging to the parents and to the coaches. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, shouldn't this sport belong to the athletes? Exactly. When we give the sport over to the parents, here's what happens. We have the parents get involved and say, my kid does this. My kid has to do this. And then the parent goes home makes the kid practice three times as much and tells them they can't have these emotions that they don't want to do it. They have to do it. So sport becomes in that context, I mean, and I work with parents in my mental toughness coaching and I ask them when you're pushing your kid, your child, your athlete, mm -hmm. for whose benefit is it? And they're like, Oh, I'm doing this for my, and I'm like, are you sure? Yeah. And when I help them dig in, what they see is, wow, I'm actually pushing them for my benefit because it makes me feel better. I get to keep up with the Joneses. I get to post pictures of my child on social media. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with helping your child achieve their dreams but whose dream is it? Are you sure it's still theirs? Right. Um, I have my daughter, my uh, youngest daughter. She's in a bunch of extracurricular activities. I sit back and go, is this something you want to do? Or is this something that your mommy and daddy wants you to do? Because I look at it as, oh, you're really good in it. But at the same time, are you happy? And I don't get an answer ever when I ask that question, are you happy? And if the child's not happy doing the sport, doing the activity, what are we doing to our child? I know adults that were in sports that have grown to the point where they don't even like playing backyard sports. Well, why are girls dropping out at six times the rate of boys? And it's not just that boys are super happy either. Let's just talk about athletes in general. I'm in the sporting world every day. Why do I see so much unhappiness, so much discontentment? Why, why do people come to me for help? Because our sport, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, which means it's true for me. Our, our sporting culture that model is broken. We have to fix the model. I mean, I use my girls because that's what I have to deal with. I don't have little boys running around. But at the same time, it goes across the board. Boys, girls, doesn't matter. But if the child is not happy doing the sport in elementary, uh, high school, you know, whatever it is, college, why are they doing it? They're doing it to please the parent. Well, we have to step back as a parent and recognize the child's not happy. 
This is when you come in and go, our child's not happy, but they're great and they have to do this. And I'm sure you've heard this before. Oh my gosh. I, when I first start with, with athletes and their parents, we, I bring up the word fear. And I ask the athlete, do you ever feel fearful? And if, then of course, yes, I do. Yes. Tell me when, tell me how, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, sounds normal to me. And I ask the parent, do you see your child out there in the competitive environment being fearful, holding back, being timid, playing it safe, being unaggressive? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, I know. And then I propose this. I asked the parent, do you think fear is learned or do you think we're born with it? Do you think fear is learned or do you think we're born with it? And they think about that for a minute and they go, hmm, I think fear is learned. And I said, I agree. Who's teaching it? If fear is learned, who's teaching it? Exactly. And the parent goes, oh, my goodness. It's me, isn't it? I'm like, yes. And I said, and I can help you with that. Because when we know better, we do better. Mm -hmm. When we awaken and we go, wow. I'm putting this fear into my athlete. And so do coaches. And so does social media is a big fear factor. Mm -hmm. How do we help these athletes deal with this? I can help parents stop doing it. I can't affect everyone, but I can affect the things closest to me. Right. And then I can teach the athlete and the parent fear is normal. Fear is going to be there. It is not going away. Let's get a toolkit and let's learn to manage it. Let's move from fear to fierce. If we spend half the time or even a fraction of the time talking to the student athletes about their emotions, why are they having this fearful effect? Why are they not confident? What can be done as the adult in the situation to alleviate that problem? How many less people will be dropping out of the sport? So good. You know, I've got clients, athletes, clients that I work with. I have one right now who's playing basketball out of college. Said to me, I'm afraid to tell my coach I have an injury. Mm -hmm. And Just I'm like, well, could and I so I said to them, could you tell your parents? And they're like, well, I'm afraid because I don't know if my parents will tell my, and I'm like, that is so messed up. We are yes. having these problems and we, the athletes have no one, nowhere to go. Yeah. It, they talk to the student body uh, counselor and they're afraid to tell them exactly what's wrong because it's going to get back to the coach or it's going to get back to the parent, depending on where we're at in the schooling system. Then they're going to be taken off the team. They're going to be benched, whatever these negative things are. So they don't have anyone to talk to. If we spend less time worrying about what we perceive as a win and start looking after the athlete themselves from physical and mental, we actually get better players. We do. And then we grow, we help grow healthy people. There, what I see, what, what, what I think is going to happen, I think Naomi, Naomi Asak, Simone Biles, 
And there have been a lot of uh, NBA players, mm -hmm. by the way, speaking out on this. I think we're going to see a change in the sport culture, but we know change moves about as quickly as a glacier, but mm -hmm. it's going to move. And what I think we're going to start seeing, so sport, there are four pillars of high performance, technical, tactical, and physical. Those two pillars are what we do all the time. Skills, drills, offense, defense, get quicker, stronger, faster, get in the weight room, do bench presses, et cetera. There are two other pillars. One is the mental pillar and the other is the social emotional pillar. I think we are going to start to see far more focus come on these other two pillars because you can see with four pillars, you need all four for that building to stand up strong. And we are tipping over right now in our sport culture. We are, I mean, when I was in school, this is 20 some years ago, our athletes were the school bullies. Seriously, and think about this. They're being told they can't feel anything. They're great on whatever sport they're doing, but they're not allowed to feel. So they're gonna take their emotions out on their other classmates because they have no way to say, I feel this, this is what's wrong. I can't say this. So they're gonna bully someone else because they're allowed to have this emotion. I see that, I do, I see that for sure. And I see the opposite. If you think about when we're in fear or we're blocked or we just don't know what to do with how we feel, we just don't know what to do with all that's going on with us. We might fight, we might flee, we might freeze. Mm -hmm. And I see all three of those happening in sport. None of them are healthy. Well, none, none of them are healthy, but this is 20 years ago. I mean, I'm sure oh. things have happened to get better. I'm not in score. I'm hoping things have gotten better. But at the same time, if we're talking about this today, it has a long way to go to get better. We have to talk to our athletes. We have to let them have emotions, both on the field and off the field. And how do we, you know, I'm asking this a bit rhetorically, but how do we, I think one of the things that is causing all of these emotions in athletes, so let's just call it fear, whenever there's a punishment, a repercussion, a consequence, fear gets created. I was talking in this uh, Facebook group the other day with these, um, it was a hockey Facebook group. And this parent was talking about their 12 year old, 12 years old, and it wasn't even on the A team, it's like the B team. They were doing, and so in hockey, they call it a bag skate. So they put garbage cans, on the in the hockey rink okay and they make the kids skate until they puke this is 12 years old and there was this huge discussion going on on this facebook group and they're yeah they're like yeah my my kids team does that too my kids team does that too and i went in there and i'm like who's allowing this because when we have when there's punishment consequences so whether it's a bag skate whether it's you get benched whether it's you get taken out of the cool kids club, whether it's your parent lectures you in the car ride on the way home, whether it's your coach ignores you, mm -hmm. whether you get hammered on social media, think about how many consequences there are out there related to sport. 
No wonder people and athletes are quitting sport. No wonder they're not taking risks. No wonder they're not stretching themselves and stepping up. They're too dang afraid because the consequences are too big. You Then you go into the pro sports for a minute. How many people, we see something wrong, but because they're on the pro level, now they won't speak up because there's something wrong. They have to do whatever the team's doing because if you speak up, the consequences are magnified. You're right, but you, the needle is also changing there. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks have been all over the media this week about all that went on with that big scandal. There was just a scandal I was reading about last night, um, NBA, the Suns organization, and some really unhealthy things going on in the Phoenix Suns. You know what? Isn't it great that we're finally talking about this? Isn't new news? A lot it's, of this has been going on forever. We're finally talking about it. I mean, there's the ones that are actually coming out and saying, no, we're not going with this no more. And we're seeing that needle moving. But at the same time, we're having the fear from the last 20 some years magnified. And we're getting the, the newer generation in these positions. And the newer generations are saying, no, we're not doing this. Right on. And finally, that we are talking about it. And you know what else that I, I think is I'm finding with these clients that I'm working with these athletes, once we dig in and we talk about this, we finally get the elephant on the table. Yay. And I'm talking with the parents as well. And then I ask the athletes, when you get out there, how would you play if you weren't afraid? How would you play? if you weren't worrying about your coach's approval or lack of. Mm -hmm. I believe that when we get a toolkit, we don't have to wait for our entire culture to change because that's going to be decades. Mm -hmm. But we can learn to manage the storms. We can learn to change ourselves, equip ourselves with a toolkit to know what to do. I think that brings the power back to where it should be. We're back to empowering these athletes. We do need to get back to empowering the athlete. We need to get back to empowering the person performing, not just, you know, the coach is there to coach. They're not there to tell you how you should play. They should be allowing you to play as well as you would if you're doing it in backyard ball. I think, especially at the younger ages, mm -hmm. I, I think that is very important. And I really hope the listeners don't feel like we're saying coaches don't matter and coaches need to stop. No, coaches are great, yes. but they need a better toolkit right to on. handle the mental health of their athletes. Yes, they are. They have been given a player's book, you know, the coaching coaching book that has been handed down for the generations that say. The athlete should not feel. We need to change the toolbox. What? Yes. When can we start? <laughs> we need. You're you're so right, and that's why I have empathy for mm -hmm. coaches that are in this culture. They. This is. They're just doing what they've been taught. 
a lot of them are coaching the way that they've been coached. And you're right. They're just reading the manual and they're following along. If we're just missing a whole bunch of chapters. In yes, the we need to add chapters and we need to reteach our coaches. They're not bad people. They're not doing it wrong. They just need to be given better tools. Right, Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. But we are almost out of time. And this has been a such a wonderful conversation because there's so much that we need to get out there to our athletes, to our coaches, to our parents. But where can our listeners find you to get in touch with you? My website's a good start, shawneeharley.com, my first name and last name. I'm posting a lot of thoughts about this in my, on my Facebook page. And I'm, I'm really trying to post uh, things that are disruptive, that are thought provoking. So my Facebook page is another good place to check out um, what I believe and what I teach in my program that's called Fear to Fierce. Thank you so much for that. And we need to disrupt the coaching manuals to make a better one. So, Let's start. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And for all of our listeners, I hope you had a productive tune in.